society doesn't really know how to deal with this. And for those of us who are on a secondary infertility journey, we think to ourselves like, oh, we should just be grateful. We should just be grateful for what we already had. And what I've learned is that this was really like a denial of my own pain. And that is something that is really important to think about because the fact that I'm a mother already and have a desire that my life will look a certain way or have a desire that there's this person who is supposed to be in my life who's not here yet, those are separate human experiences for me currently being a mother. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. This week is National Infertility Week. Approximately one in eight couples in the United States are affected. We had to bring this topic onto the podcast. So that's what we'll be covering today. So whether you have gone through this or not, you likely know someone who has. I think that learning more about it can make us be more thoughtful and be kind in these conversations. So today, our guest is Kat Hero. Kat is the mother of one, soon to be two, and she recently started the TTC Society with one of her friends. Kat, we're going to get into all the things today, but please start by introducing yourself to our listeners. Hey, everyone. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on to share my story and hopefully provide some support to your listeners who are on or have been on a trying to conceive journey. But I just love what you're doing at herself. And this community is so phenomenal. So I'm so excited to be here. But as Amy said, my name is Kat Harrow, and I'm the co-founder of TTC Society, which is a podcast and a community for women who are on a fertility journey to really help provide hope and support throughout this entire process. So my co-host and I started our podcast in the midst of our own fertility treatments when we realized that there's so many people who are suffering in silence, and we just wanted to blow the roof off this topic that is often considered taboo. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. And I'm so excited to just dive in today. And Kat, thank you so much for being on today. We've had podcast episodes touch on this subject in the past, but we knew there needed to be a safe place for women to go if they wanted more on infertility specifically. Every single week, we have messages from women who are experiencing infertility. And Kat, you fell into the one in eight statistic because you just navigated secondary infertility. So can you tell us more about that journey? Yeah, absolutely. And these are such important topics. And, you know, the statistics say that one in four women will experience a miscarriage and one in eight couples will struggle to conceive. So even though those are very common numbers in the midst of your experience, it can just feel like you are one in a million. So for me, a little bit about our story is I got pregnant with our daughter 
2018. And it was the second time we ever tried. And so after that experience, I was like, I am the most fertile woman in the world. (laughs) And I honestly didn't think twice about a fertility journey because it just wasn't part of our story. And, um, you know, we had a healthy pregnancy and healthy birth and became parents for the first time. So then fast forward to 2019 when we decided that we wanted to expand our family again. And I should say people are probably like, wait, didn't you just have a kid in 2018? Yes. We wanted to have our kids really close in age. Um, I just pictured myself being this like busy working mom who has this really full life with the craziness of two under two. And so when we started trying again, it was a much slower start. So we hit like the six month mark or so. And my intuition just really kicked in. And I was like, something feels off. Like it felt so easy the first time. Like, why aren't we pregnant by now? And I wanted to start exploring that. So the first thing that I did is I went to my OB and she's like, you know, most of the time we don't start testing people until they've hit the year mark and trying, or if you're above the age of 35 and it's been six months, but she ran some simple blood tests and, um, just on me and everything started to come back normal. So I think she only ran like maybe three different tests, like my thyroid and a few other things. So, you know, we just continued on our way. Like we'll just be patient doing timed intercourse and still nothing. And honestly, it was tough because if you're experiencing secondary infertility and you're taking care of other children, even just like trying to find the time to conceive in, you know, those hot weeks when you're ovulating, it's just tough to fit in those windows. So, you know, we continued on our way and nothing was happening. And so finally, again, my intuition was like, something's off. It's time to go see a reproductive endocrinologist. And that's a fertility specialist. So we underwent all the testing. And, um, for women that involves a lot of things. It involves a huge blood panel. It involves ultrasounds. It involves, you know, putting dye up into your fallopian tubes to see if there's any blockages. And then for the male, if you're in a heterosexual partnership, it involves a sperm test. So we came back after all of our testing and our results were that we had mild male infertility. So my husband has what's called low motility. And then on my end, they couldn't find anything, which doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with me. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with anyone. It just means that there still could be something that is preventing me from getting pregnant outside of just my partner. Um, So it's called unexplained infertility. So we started taking letrozole, which is a super ovulatory medication. It's basically just supposed to like make you ovulate even stronger than normal. And we just continued trying to conceive naturally uh, with timed intercourse and just see what happens. Again, more months, nothing happened. And so our doctor decided that they wanted to start doing IUIs. So essentially what an IUI is, is I I guess before I even knew, I just thought it was like the turkey baster thing. But basically what they do is they put a catheter up into your uterus and um, they spin down the sperm. So they have like your best players, it's more condensed and they bring your best players further down the field. So they basically like push them to where they need to be. And typically what you'll see if you work with a reproductive endocrinologist is if you don't have a diagnosis that brings you right to starting IVF or exploring, you know, other options like an embryo donation or a surrogate or whatever that is, 
typically what they'll do is three rounds of IUIs. And if nothing happens, then you start IVF. So for us, we started our IUIs and we had two failed IUIs. So at that point we were like, all right, like it's time to start exploring IVF, figuring out what that will look like. We'll do our third and final IUI before starting that whole process. And, um, we ended up getting pregnant on our third IUI with our medication letrozole. So that is kind of where we're at. So I'm currently pregnant, um, right now. And that's kind of what the journey looked like for us. And thank you for sharing that with us as a friend and supporter of you. I've listened to several of your podcast episodes. And one thing that stuck out is something that you alluded to, but the picture that you had for your family, you planned on having children close in age. And that's one thing that you have had to grieve during this process for someone that is going through this. Can you talk about how you worked through the mental aspect of things not going according to plan and what has helped you through it? Yeah. I think that anyone who's experiencing a fertility journey, no one plans for this. No one like starts trying to conceive and thinking, well, this is a process and maybe it's going to take us years. So in three years from now, I'll be ready. So usually when you begin the process, you know that you're ready or you can picture your life like really moving in that direction. So with that said, it brings a vision of what you desire in your life. And so for me, there was this grieving process and it was something new and different than past grief that I've experienced in my life because with the TTC journey, it's, it's like this hope and then disappointment cycle every single month that keeps that grief fresh. Um, not only the, the grief of this vision that you had, but the grief that again, there's no child coming that month or that, you know, is, is coming and there's no like single marker or this like finite moment to heal from. It's just like, again, this like month long cycle where you're re-scraping the wound each and every single month with every attempt. And then society doesn't really know how to deal with this. And for those of us who are on a secondary infertility journey, we think to ourselves like, oh, we should just be grateful. We should just be grateful for what we already had. And what I've learned is that this was really like a denial of my own pain. And that is something that is really important to think about because the fact that I'm a mother already and have a desire that my life will look a certain way or have a desire that there's this person who is supposed to be in my life who's not here yet, those are separate human experiences for me currently being a mother. So therefore, I know that I can simultaneously have gratitude for what I already have and also truly grieve this vision for what I desire in my life. And so in terms of what actually helped, it was distingu- distinguishing the fact that these are separate experiences and also finding support anywhere I could. I see a therapist. And so I thought I sought mental health support, obviously seeking our medical community who's supporting us on this journey. And then it like sharing my experience with friends. That was really eye-opening because there's so many people, like we said, it's one in eight, but it's not talked about often. And I had so many people reach out to me or we'd talk about our shared experiences and we had never even known we had this common connection. And then finding community with women who had like been on this journey before who could provide camaraderie. And I think that's 
the beautiful thing about the current time that we live in, no matter what your diagnosis is or where you're at in your journey of trying to become a parent is that there is someone in the world who probably has experienced the same situation as you. And because of the internet, we can find those people and we can support each other on these journeys. That was so beautifully said. And you just being on the podcast today and sharing this story, it's a way that people can connect and can can connect with people who know they've been on this journey before. So your words are just meaning so much. And in episode 30, Jacqueline Brennan brought up that grief is love that has nowhere to go. So the fact that you brought up that you can have grief and gratitude at the exact same time, like that imagery around it, um, it's just so beautiful. Kat, you have mentioned, and we have been talking about the TTT Society in the podcast, that you started with your co-host, Jasmine Shea. So can you tell us more about the mission of your podcast and really about the community that you're building over there? Yeah. And I, first of all, I love that quote too of like, it's, or what did did you say? Grief with nowhere to go? Yeah. Grief is love that has nowhere to go. Yes. And I I love that quote because I feel like it's one of the biggest misconceptions in our society that we can only feel one emotion and that's not true. And there's like space because we're very dynamic, we're humans, we can have different feelings at the exact same time. Um, but for the podcast, really what we're building is we are sharing our stories and other women's stories who have been on this experience. And Jasmine and I um, have both been on fertility journeys and they're very different experiences. And so it's been therapeutic and healing, not only for us, but our mission with starting this is to create a safe space for women to actually receive support and to gain healthy coping strategies in this really difficult period in their life. And then on top of that, also connect with other women, have community support because again, with anything, especially anything difficult in life, it it takes a village. And it's so powerful when we can share our experiences and have these moments where we can connect and feel supported and just intertwined with each other in a really beautiful way. And you and Jasmine are such a wealth of information on that podcast. So just bringing that and bringing those subjects into the world, thank you for being able to do that all in one spot. If you want more information on this, guys, I highly recommend heading over to that podcast and just taking a listen. We do want to introduce one of our new podcast partners. We're going to take a quick break here to introduce Third Love Bras. This winter, I got my first bra from them, and it's the only one that I've been wearing besides sport bras, which I do wear sport bras quite often right now. But usually when I'm bra shopping, I don't know about you guys, but I'll go through the racks. I'll find a style and price. I'll buy like seven of them because you know me, (laughs) I will try on so many and buy so many and then just pick the one or two that I actually like. But this was so much easier. Third Love made this process so much easier. I have to admit, I was very hesitant to buy a bra online, but you take this little fitting room style quiz. It asks you about your body shape. It asks you about your current bras and how they fit. It asks you about your lifestyle, and then it gives you some ideas. So there are over 80 sizes with Third Love. So your bra can honestly be the perfect fit. They're the only brand that offers half cup sizes, which is super helpful as my boobs continue to fluctuate with all of the nursing that I'm doing right now and pumping. 
I ended up going with the classic contour plunge. I got it in the winter and I've been wearing it nonstop. I loved it right away, but know that if you wear it and you just don't quite like the fit, you are able to return it for up to two months. And I love that these bras, the ones that we send back, they're donated to women who really need them. So we do have an offer for you guys. Third Love knows that there's one true fit out there. And right now they're giving our listeners 20% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash herself, and you can find your perfect fitting bra as well. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash herself for 20% off. Since starting your podcast, both you and Jasmine have become pregnant because you are serving women that are going through infertility. Was there any guilt or were you guys afraid to tell your community that you were pregnant? I love this question because I do think that there's probably some people who serve in this space who might feel this way. But for me, like this is the ultimate goal of anyone on this journey. And it's something that should be celebrated and shared. And then I also think that there's like this misconception is that once you become pregnant, this experience is in the past, you're on the mountaintop, it's rainbows and butterflies from here out. But this experience stays with you. And in so many ways, it is a traumatic experience. And it's something that I honestly still continue to work through. And it's brought different emotions and feelings up during this pregnancy of, you know, potentially more anxiety or just, just different feelings as I've gone through this. And so I also know that I would love to have more children, you know, so if that's something that you hold on to and desire, and even though if you get pregnant for the first time after treatments, it still feels like if you know you want that again, you're starting back at square one on this journey. And you're starting back at square one, but years older, which obviously gives opportunity for new things to arise in your journey. So I wasn't afraid to share that because I, I feel like once you are part of this community or had an experience like this, you are always part of this community and you are always safe here and you can come back and receive support anytime that you need. Yeah. I appreciate that answer because it's, it sounds like, you know, you can be excited and celebrate and you, you still are able to hold compassion and empathy for the other people that are still on their journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes with any experience in your life. If you lost a person who's really important to you or maybe a marriage ended, you can still provide that perspective and really deeply connect and feel empathy for those who are in it because you've been there and you know what that feels like. Mm. There were so many reasons that we wanted to have you on the podcast today, and one was really being able to bring awareness. And as we said earlier, if a woman doesn't go through infertility herself, she probably knows someone who has. So let's talk about ways to be thoughtful if this is something that your friend or maybe your family member, a coworker is going through. And we know that everyone's experiences is different, but can you start by telling us if there were things that were helpful that people did for you and for your husband, Sam? Yeah, the people in my life who truly held space for me made all the difference in this journey and for my husband as well. And this experience made me so aware of times in my life where I have not held space for people in a meaningful way. And I learned and I grew a lot from being in this. So for example, like someone saying, oh, you can try again next month, or this baby wasn't meant for you this month. 
anything along those lines, like never made me feel better. It, it always just like, again, re-scraped that wound. It was very triggering for me. It did not make me put me in a better mindset. And so for the people in my life who sat with me, who actively listened without trying to shift the topic or the mood of the conversation that brought me so much support in my life. And something I just like thought about when going through this and like understanding like, wow, what it really feels like to be listened to is so powerful. Cause how many times do we have conversations with someone and maybe about something hard and all you're doing in your head the whole time someone's talking to you is thinking about how am I going to respond to this? What am I going to say as soon as that person stops talking? But like, what if you practice actually just not having to have that response and just like really listen to every word that they're saying? And and how does that feel? And it's for the person who's receiving that active listening, it feels very, very different on the other end. And then another experience that was really supportive for us is that people who would celebrate the many milestones of a fertility journey, that was really important because it can take a long time for the end goal of a baby to come. And it might not come in the way that you had thought or desired that it would get here. And there's so many like micro moments on a fertility journey that are worth celebrating. And so someone like taking the time to ask me where we were at and then like affirming like, oh, that's amazing. That test is over or that this happened. That felt really good because there's so many, again, like why wait to just celebrate or acknowledge once the goal has happened? Like the baby is here when it was a big deal for me to get my HSG test and have my fallopian tubes looked at and have dye shot through them. Like when I finished that, that felt like a milestone that was worth celebrating or we're celebrating that we are starting an IUI. That was huge too, because I think oftentimes people don't know how to respond when you tell them that you're on a fertility journey. And so their initial response is like, I'm sorry. But for the people who could be like, oh, that's so exciting. Like this, like, so you're doing this type of intervention. Like that made me feel good versus someone like affirming that I should feel shame or feel pity for myself that we're doing this. Like it felt good to celebrate like, yeah, we are like, we're moving on to medication and we're going to try an IUI this month. And then next month we might explore IVF. And it felt good for the people who would celebrate that as like something moving towards our goal versus like something that I should feel sorry for, or that, you know, they would want to apologize to me about. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And for those listening, I think that we're all on a journey of learning more, becoming kinder humans, hopefully growing. I know that when my friend was going through infertility, it made me really nervous to tell her that we were pregnant with our second child. You know, we were on number two and they they were not able to conceive their first but it hurt her a lot more that I hadn't told her privately before other people were in on the news. I think that a lot of people in that position can get really nervous to tell their friend because we're, you know, we're trying to protect your feelings, but sometimes I can totally understand like we wait too long and then it doesn't 
end up going well anyways. So I wish I would have handled that situation different. Just so, you know, if you're relating to that, because I think a lot of our listeners might have gone through something like that, but I would love to hear your take on unhelpful things that people do just so that our listeners can be more supportive and kind. Yeah. And I I love that example that you just shared, because I have heard from many people that that's something that is helpful for them, whether it's someone who's really close to them or sister or family member, if they are pregnant to tell them in private versus like it Christmas, you know, and in front of everyone where they feel caught off guard. And again, whatever that person's reaction to your news, it doesn't mean that they're not sharing in that joy for you. Like, again, just be in the depths of whatever they are experiencing right now. And again, those are separate things. Their grief is different than your joy. But in general, unhelpful things that I experienced were just toxic positivity in general, especially people telling me that I should be grateful for what I already have. And you know, people asking like, wouldn't you have your second baby? I've learned throughout this process that just don't ask anyone about their family planning because if that person feels safe with you and they want to share those details, they'll bring it up when they're ready. You don't need to prod for information because there's probably a reason that they haven't shared that with you. And it might be something that's really raw and real. So just, you know, just don't ask about that. And again, I'm very guilty of this. I've done this so many times in the past, like, oh, when are you going to have another baby? Or are you thinking about number two? And not realizing implications of even just like a simple curious question like that could have on someone. So a few other things that I just like try to steer away from and would say if you have someone in your life, try to steer away from these things are never start any sentence with have you tried? (laughs) Because if you are on a fertility journey or you're trying to conceive, like unless this person asks you specifically for support and is wanting ideas, they have probably Googled and they have probably talked to their doctor and they have probably tried just about everything from throwing their legs in the air after having sex to eating a certain food or changing their diet or removing plastics from their life, whatever that is, they have probably tried it. And it's not helpful to like provide that perspective unless they specifically ask. And then I also caution of holding back from any miracle stories because any of those stories like, oh, my coworker's brother's friend, they were starting to get IVF and then they got pregnant naturally. I mean, those are miraculous and beautiful stories. But if you're in the midst of treatment or trying to conceive, those types of stories don't usually bring someone hope. Um, They can create a false sense of hope or just like a huge disappointment that that didn't happen for them. And they actually do have to continue forward with IVF or you know, an embryo adoption or whatever that is for them. So I caution people to like share any miracle stories because typically those don't land very well when you're in the midst of this. Each of those was so important to bring up. I know that I've been guilty of saying those in the past. I know also with our first, it took about a year for us to get pregnant. So the, have you tried all of those? They came up They came up so often. And when we were working with our specialists, the low motility was also part of our journey. So you bring up that football analogy at the beginning. I hadn't heard that analogy before, but that was a really good way of saying that. And our next step was going to be the IUI. So every part of that journey, and it wasn't as long as some people's, but that's kind of what I'm going to get into this next piece here is that it was really hard. 
every single one of those months, it felt, it felt like I was failing. And what made it worse during that time was it seemed like there was this comparison, like the difficulty around other people's experiences, who was struggling more, it just kept on coming in. And I can remember so vividly several instances of my friends and family saying, well, at least you didn't, or, you know, it could be way worse along with the, have you tried and all the other parts there. So the stacking of infertility struggles against each other or minimizing someone else's hard, that just doesn't seem like a winning strategy for any of us. So can you speak a little bit to this comparison inside of the infertility space? Yeah. And this is so common. And I catch myself even wanting to minimize my own experiences because mm-hmm. our journey wasn't quote unquote as bad as someone else's. But again, like when you do th- that it minimizes your own pain. It dismisses your human experience and it denies your reality and further pushes you away from your emotions when you do that. So whether you are trying for the first time to conceive and you're disappointed this month because it didn't happen, or you are further along in the journey and maybe had an egg retrieval and you didn't have any eggs that came out of that, it is real pain no matter what that is. And you should allow yourself to feel that. And something that we emphasize in our community is to explore all of your emotions, the negative ones and the positive ones, because it's often those negative emotions that are really our greatest teachers or our greatest invitations in life to show up a different way or to learn something about ourselves. So If you find yourself comparing your journey to someone else's, I just want you to know like wherever you are at in your journey, your feelings are valid. They are real. They are your feelings and they are worth exploring further. The comparison part, it's not helpful for anyone to dismiss their own feelings. So I would just tap into whatever you're feeling in this and it's completely valid. Such an important point for those going through infertility. It's, you know, comparison doesn't usually work in any situation, let alone in a very emotional, hard situation. Our second brand new sponsor today is Rothy's. Have you heard of this company? When I was a nurse, all of the pharmacists were obsessed with their stylish, sustainable, comfortable shoes. My first two picks were the Mary Janes with a bow and the knot. They are available in a lot of styles in a changing array of colors and prints. But in true Amy fashion, I chose the black and the sand dollar. You can be more adventurous if you want to be. It's perfect because they are comfortable as soon as you put them on. There is no break-in period. It makes it perfect for momin because you can slip them on quick and be comfortable. They are washable, durable, and flexible, made from repurposed plastic water bottles to minimize their impact on the planet while maximizing your comfort. You can check out their amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com backslash herself. That is rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash herself. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorite. Head to rothys.com slash herself today. For couples, I've heard you speak about how it can be a challenge. 
you started to get yourself well-connected. You started the TTC Society as a passion for driving these conversations, which I'm imagining did help you in your process. You had friends to talk to about it, and it was still so hard. But what did the process look like for your husband? It feels hard. You know, he's trying to support you, but I'm sure there's some stress that comes for the trying to conceive journey for the male partner as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, for men, I think this experience is interesting because even if the diagnosis that you receive as a couple is male infertility, the testing and the procedures and everything that moves forward, if that's part of your journey, is is essentially done on the female partner if you're in a heterosexual couple. So I noticed that with my partner, he often felt like his feelings weren't valid because he wasn't the one undergoing being poked and prodded at every month. He wasn't the one undergoing all these types of testings or the medical treatments to try to conceive. And so I think that that for him, like he probably pushed down some of his feelings that he was feeling about it. And then I also think that he had to feel like he had to be the strong one because I was undergoing all these things. And so again, it further could disconnect you from your feelings. And in general, you know, men tend to push their emotions down or deal with them in different ways. Like I know even for Sam and I, I'm someone who's like a verbal processor. Like I could just like come home and like spill everything and he's internal. Like he needs to like take some time for himself and process it and then come back. Like it could even be days later and then have the conversation with me. And so one thing that this experience was interesting going through, like from our separate experiences is that it brought us closer together in so many ways because it was an opportunity for us to lean on each other in new ways and to communicate in new ways and to support each other in new ways that our marriage hadn't been tested in this way before. And some piece of this, and again, I'm not someone who always looks for silver linings, but I, I like to call them invitations because I think that there are so many invitations when you are going through a hard experience. And one invitation that this brought for us together as a couple is reaffirming our shared vision for what we want in life. And like, how many times do you go through life and you think like, I'm going to have kids or I want to buy this house. And you just had this vision a long time ago when you were like a little kid even. And how often do you take the time to stop and explore if that's still true for you? So for us, like each month on this, you know, cyclical journey, we had, you know, every single medical bill that came in, every single treatment, we had this opportunity together to sit and basically like reaffirm that this is our shared vision and desire for our lives together and really decide if this is something that we both deeply want and something that we want to move forward with together. So for us, that was, you know, there was definitely challenging moments even in our relationship, but for us, like that was something that was really beautiful that came out of this was just like, we had to have those conversations if we wanted to move forward every month. And if we wanted our family to look like this, and if we wanted to try certain things or what would happen if we did this. And it just, it really brought us together in a new way. And we learned how to communicate in a way that I don't think we would have ever gotten to that point had we not gone through this together. 
I wish I would have had those words when we first started our, our conception journey. I brought this up on the podcast in the past and Collins brought this up, but we fought so much during a very specific part of our relationship. And it was during this journey. It was during those months where we kept on quote unquote failing as a couple, where we kept on not getting that end result. And I'm the same as you, Kat. So I'm a verbal processor where Colin is a lot like Sam, where he kind of wants to retreat away, think about it and come back when he's ready. And I just remember like pouring my heart and soul out in aggressive and resentful ways during that process. And if I would have thought of it more as that invitation, like you brought up, the invitation to to look at, is this what we want our life to look like? Having that conversation would have helped in so many of those marital struggles. So just that whole piece of it, um, so important for people who are starting that conception journey, who might be dealing with infertility, who might be going through secondary infertility right now. And for someone who is on this journey, I mean, that was good advice right there. Like I'm taking that with me and sharing that with all my friends, but is there anything else that you can give? Maybe something that you wish you would have known from the start? Oh yeah. There's so many things. I think the first thing is trust your intuition. If something feels off, explore that. Don't be afraid to seek support from a mental health care provider. Again, we just talked about couples, like it's hard on both of you. And so, you know, that can be an opportunity for both of you to seek support and also, you know, finding fertility providers and just like in your gut, if something doesn't feel right, trust your feeling, trust that you know your body better than anyone else out there. And if something feels off, it's worth exploring. So, and that goes for anything really in life, right? But even in this journey, and not even just my intuition that like, oh, we can't get pregnant, what's going on? But I had moments in my journey where some things felt off in the care I was receiving at the clinic that I had. And we actually were actively in the process of moving clinics to a different clinic to start IVF when we ended up getting pregnant from our final IUI. But I basically wanted to take my money elsewhere because I was not happy with the level of care that I was receiving. And I wish I would have listened to that voice earlier of like, if you're not happy with what's happening here in the care, like the doctors work for you. And if something doesn't feel right, or you're feeling like they're being dismissive or um, misogynistic or whatever that is in your experience, you can go somewhere else. And, and that's a way to like take your power back in the journey. Because for us, like we have, I live in a big metro area, but we only have one clinic here, which is wild to me that does this. And so for us to switch clinics, it meant we had to drive two hours. And so at first I was like, well, I'm not driving two hours to do this. Or like, it felt like it wasn't possible. But then I realized in that moment too, it was like, I'm going to take my power back. Like if I'm unhappy and not receiving the care and this really vulnerable time in my life that I know I want and deserve, I'm going to go elsewhere. And so that was something just to trust yourself if, if anything feels off. And then also just to be so gentle and kind with yourself on this journey. Um, I know, Abby, you even mentioned that it, it felt like something was off with your body or wasn't working the way that it should. And again, like something this journey has taught me is I feel like I've reconnected with myself and my body in a way that I hadn't expected. And what this journey has taught me more than anything is that each and every one of us is a walking, breathing miracle. I mean, when I started going through 
you know, fertility treatments, even just understanding that the most fertile woman on her like hottest month or whatever only has a 20% chance of conceiving, like, dang, that's a very low. And then you add in any potential issues. Like for us, our possibilities with our diagnosis and where we were at and our age was like a one to three chance. Like that's really low. And so just like understanding that and soaking that in of like, wow, everyone around me is a miracle. And what if you looked at yourself that way? It's so easy to beat yourself up when you're on this journey, but what if you looked at yourself, like the way that you're going to envision this baby who might come into your life, the fact that they're so perfect, just the way they are. And they're such a miracle. And that's something that I've had to work on a lot, but it it helped me just be kinder to myself because it's hard enough being on this journey and you don't need to be, you know, knocking yourself down when you're going through this experience. That's great advice for anyone. I mean, being mean to yourself never really helps your situation. Kat, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the podcast. I am so glad that you came into my life all those years ago in a completely different capacity. And I've loved watching you grow into such a powerhouse of a woman. So I can't wait to see where you go. But please tell everyone where they can find you so they can also watch. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for having me on here. It is so fun just how our paths collided and where we're at now. But you can find our podcast, TTC Society, on all major podcast platforms. So if you just type that in, you'll be able to tune in and listen to our episodes that we drop each week. And if you want to, you know, learn more, you can find us on Instagram at TTC Society. And if you want to follow me personally, just for my life updates, um, you can follow me at Kat Harrow. So K-A-T-H-E-R-R-O. Thank you. And for those listening, if you do want to hear more episodes on infertility, we have some smaller segments on episodes 30 and also episode 71. And this is such an important message. And there are women in your circle that would greatly benefit from hearing these comforting words. Kat, they seriously felt just like a warm hug today. So maybe sending this to a friend or sharing on your Instagram or social media account, it just might reach that woman with the words that she needed to hear to really feel supported, to feel loved during during such a hard time. So thank you, Kat. Thank you for helping our community grow stronger and really bringing these tough topics like this one into the light. 